2 Samuel 9 and 1. It's a very familiar story. So if I start messing up, I know one of you out there can help me preach this. 2 Samuel 9 and 1. All right, let's read. It says, now David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Read it one more time. Now David said, is there still anyone who is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. And if I can encourage somebody this morning, we're going to stay on that theme. Just very simple. I was invited. All throughout our lives, we've seen weddings, birthday parties, housewarmings, some level of congratulatory celebration or gathering, and there are things that we would like to be invited to, things we'd like to be a part of. And if you're like me, growing up, sometimes you didn't always get invited. Sometimes you weren't always considered, because there are times when the celebration requires a certain amount of money. And I'll be honest with you, I grown, got older and found out that I don't need to be a part of those celebrations. <laughs> Not too many of them. <laughs> Keep my money. No. But, um, <laughs> but there are some times when, 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 when there's an invitation for things uh, to be invited to, to, to some type of investment club and you get looked over. Or some type of, some, some type of celebration for, for someone's advancement or, or whatever it may be, and you're not invited. And sometimes that doesn't, doesn't sit well because you think because of the connection that you may have had that they may have considered you. Or you think because of the, the, the type of person that you were that you might have been considered. Or sometimes the very converse happens. Sometimes you think that maybe I'm just not good enough or maybe I just wasn't, I wasn't friendly enough or or maybe sometimes we start to question who we are or what we've been and then sometimes with that we'll start to look at some of our inefficiencies we'll start to look at some of our inadequacies well why wasn't i considered why wasn't i put on a team why wasn't i thought of why didn't pastor consider me for this why didn't my boss consider me for that why didn't my my, my friends and so many things come upon us all because of an invitation. In 2 Samuel 9, that's the full story. It's, we see where King David and Mephibosheth, by their connection, how just one invitation can change your life. The first thought, point one. The invitation will find you right where you are. 2 Samuel 9, verses 3, 3 and 4 says, The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul? Hold on to the house of Saul. Is there no one still alive 
from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness. Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Hold on to that. There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makir, son of Amiel in Lodibar. David the king wanted to show the kindness of God to anyone in Saul's house. Now look at Saul's house. You have David the king who is now over the United Kingdom of Israel. He wants to show kindness to anyone of the house of the previous king. Now if you know, if you know anything about, about the, the shifting of power in those days, usually anyone of the house of the previous king was sought after and killed. Usually anyone of the house of the previous king was sought after and put into slavery. David wanted to show kindness. But let's look at the house of Saul. Saul was trying to kill David. A couple of times. Saul tried to sabotage David. He gave David his messed up daughter to marry. And put that in your pipe and smoke it. Saul was trying to undermine David by trying to mess up his brotherly friendship with Jonathan. But through all of that, David wanted to show kindness, the kindness of God to someone in the house of Saul. Now let's look a little further. It says Mephibosheth was in Lodibar. Lodibar simply translated means the ghetto of that particular time. It means that there is no word. It simply means that there's no communication. Lodibar means that there's no pasture or no provision. So Mephibosheth was in a place where it was already doomed for failure. He was already in a place that had no word from God. He was in a place that had no communication with any type of godly influence. He was in a place that had no provision from God. He was connected to Saul's house, but he was Jonathan's son. And David still wanted to show kindness. Let's go back to Saul. Saul was a direct enemy to David. He was an obstacle for David. He, he, he fought against David. How many times have we fought against the plan of God? How many times were we at enmity with God? How many times did we do the total opposite of what God wanted us to do? I'm talking to us believers right now. We didn't even get to the sinner yet. How many times when we were acting as enemies 
to God. Colossians 1 and 21. I believe it's going to come up on the King James Version, but I like the way the, the NLT Version says it. It says, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Now, I know today is Sunday, but I think we, we could tell the truth for a little while. How many times have our evil thoughts and actions been in opposition to God? Okay, let's make it live a minute. You see somebody walk in and you walk to the other side. You see someone about to sit down in the seat you like to sit in and you don't have a good day in church that whole day. You driving down the street and someone gently cuts you off and the words you give aren't quite the blessings of Jesus. Your supervisor says something offbeat to you and you give them a full piece of your mind. Okay, that was just me this morning, I'm sorry. But if we're honest, if we're really honest, we have been in that position to where we have been enemies, to when we have been adversarial. Even if we haven't done anything directly, but just by being disobedient to God's word or disobedient to God's man's servant. Got a few on that one, right? So we have been that obstacle, but yet God still wants to bless us. God still wants us to receive his invitation to come into his presence. He still wanted to bless someone who was in Saul's house, who he was connected to. And it doesn't matter what you are connected to. It doesn't matter what your past was. It doesn't matter if you just checked off everything we just talked about. It doesn't matter the lifestyle that you once lived or if you're even in that lifestyle now. God's invitation to us has nothing to do with our connections. He invites us, he invites us despite our connections because he is God. His love for us goes beyond human affiliation or human identification or our pedigree. No matter what we are a part of or connected to, God's inviting us to come and be in his presence. God says in Isaiah 1 and 18 through 20, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though, you, though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And if we look a little further in the Bible, it also says in the 16th Psalm, verse 11, you will show me the path of life in, and in your presence is the fullness of joy and that your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is a part of the invitation he's given to people who are in a land that has no word from God. If you're in a land that you don't have communication with God, if you're even feeling like that you don't even have the presence of God, God is inviting you to come into his presence so that you can receive the fullness of joy and at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. But somewhere I read that God is a double-breasted one, so he gives with both hands. <laughs> so even at his right hand, if the pleasures may run 
run out. You have his left hand that's going to keep giving you his presence. Thank God for his presence. Point number two, the invitation, the invitation will come get you from where you are. Second Samuel um, chapter nine, verse five. It says, so King David had him brought from Lodibar. Mm. King David had him brought from Lodibar. He had him brought from that place where there was no word. He had him brought from that place where there was no communication. He had him brought from that place where there was no presence of God. He had him brought from that place where there was no provision. King David did this. King David had him brought from Lodibar from the house of Mekur, son of Amiel. The Bible reminds us repeatedly that Mephibosheth was lame in his feet. That's something preventing him from moving out of his situation. Something that's an obstacle, something that's impeding him, something that's fighting him, something that's, that, that's weighing him down, something that's tearing him down. But if you notice, everybody David talked to, they kept bringing that up. Ain't it just like the enemy to keep bringing up all your inadequacies? Ain't it just like the enemy to keep bringing up everything that you messed up on? Isn't it just like the enemy to bring up everything that you failed in? Isn't it just like the enemy to bring up everything that you didn't get right? Isn't it just like the enemy to bring up every time you were disobedient to God? Isn't it just like the enemy to bring up everything that you didn't get right, that you kept messing up on, that you kept going back to, that you kept doing over and over and over and over and over and over again? <laughs> but if you keep reading through that whole, that whole chapter, that whole story, everybody brought up what was holding him back. David never talked about it. The king didn't bring it up. <laughs> the king wasn't worried about his shortcomings. The king wasn't worried about his, his downtroddenness. The king wasn't worried about his lack. The king wasn't worried about things that he couldn't do. The king wasn't worried about everything that he failed at. But the king was only worried about what I told you to do for him. The king was only worried about what I said and sent out to do. The king was only worried about his word that won't return to him void, but it will accomplish every thing that he sent it out to do he said go down to Lodibar and bring that boy back to me that I can show him the kindness of God that's what Jesus is saying to you this morning it doesn't matter what you're going through it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter who you slept with last night it doesn't matter what drugs you pumped it doesn't matter where you've been but if you come to the Jesus if you come to the throne of the foot the foot of the cross if you come to the throne of mercy where you might find grace and favor and help in the time of need. God said, I'll give you my presence. And in my presence, there is the fullness of joy. Y'all sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Stop. stop it. Stop praising God. Stop praising God. He wasn't that good to you. He never delivered you out of that much. God never pulled you out of the muck and mire. God never pulled you out of sinking sin. From sinking sand, he lifted me. <laughs> With tender hands, he lifted me. Y'all stop. Well, if we're going to do it, take 20 seconds real quick. Give God a praise real fast. Come on and give God a praise. This praise comes from experience. This is an experienced praise. This praise came from when you had to cry at night. 
This praise came from when you watched everything run out. This praise came from when everybody else was getting, but you weren't giving nothing. This praise came from when you had to walk into a grocery store with only $3 to feed five people. This praise comes from when you had to buy formula that cost $70 and you were only making 10 a day. This praise comes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell somebody this praise has experience. This praise has experience. Yeah, this ain't no virgin praise. This praise has experience. This praise has been around the block. This praise has had to walk with God. This praise has had to hear God walk with you and talk with you and tell you that you're his own. <laughs> this praise. All right. Y'all sit down. Y'all making me nervous. Come on, I dare you praise him one more time. I dare you if you praise him one more time. I dare you if you praise him one more time. Even if the situation doesn't change, he'll change you in your situation. Even if the mess doesn't go away, he'll give you a message in your mess. Come on and clap your hands real fast. Clap your hands real fast. But everybody kept talking about what Mephibosheth's problem was. Everybody kept talking about what Mephibosheth couldn't do. Every, right, Mom? Everybody kept talking about how he was lame in his feet and he couldn't move forward. That he was going to have to stay in that place where there was no word. That he was going to have to stay in that place where there was no communication. That he just might have to stay in that place where there was no provision. But the king... Mm -mm. The king. See, sometimes we listen to that garbage. And if we keep it 100, sometimes we spew that garbage. Because it ain't always the enemy saying stuff about us. Sometimes we say things about ourselves which removes us out of position to receive the blessings of God that's moving right here, but we're over here complaining. But when we stop complaining, which is ultimately giving praise to the devil and get back into praising God from whom all blessings flow, when the movement of God starts happening, when the blessings of God starts moving, you say, Lord, I'm next. But we listen or we speak that nonsense. Now, I'm not saying don't be a realist. I'm a realist. I'm going to say what I see that's in front of me. But that helps me during my prayer time. Because I'm going to God telling him exactly what I see. But... I like, the way, I like the way Tony Evans said it. He was, he was uh, teaching a message and he was saying that we have the sentence structure wrong. We'll say, God is good, but I'm not doing well. 
God can provide all that I need, but I don't have anything. He said, keep the same sentence, just switch it. I may not have anything, but God can supply all I need. <laughs> I may have turmoil in my mind, but God is the God of peace. <laughs> and he gives peace, not as the world gives, but as he gives. Right? Right? And, and that's, what, that's what David understood that once he sent his word, everything that Mephibosheth couldn't do for himself was now null and void. But look what happened. David didn't just say, tell him to come here. David said, okay, since he can't do for himself, I'm sending you to go get him. It doesn't make a difference if we don't measure up. It doesn't make a difference if things aren't going to get better right away. But it's just when at that time when we feel the furthest from God, that's when he's the closest to you. In Luke 19 and 10, it says the Bible says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So that means the king is getting down off his throne. The king is going to use his resources. The king is going to push his word to come and get you out of that place where you feel like you haven't heard a word from God. The king is going to use his resources to come and get you out of that place where you feel like there's been no provision for, your, for what you're going through. The king is going to use his resources to come and get you so that you, been in a, since you've been in a place where there's been no communication, he says, come bring them here and sit them in my presence. God is not afraid of your problems. Let's get that point straight right now. And I said, let's, all of us, all of we, me included. Because sometimes, sometimes, and Satan is, is tricky, he, 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 he'll, he'll magnify the things that we have been magnifying. He will magnify the things that we've been magnifying. He's not going to spend too much time trying to bring new things at you, right? Especially as a saint, he's going to bring things that you haven't let go of. For everything that Mephibosheth may have been dealing with in Lodibar, the one thing that was on his mind is that I'm crippled. He was already in a place that wasn't the best. But everyone kept reminding him, you're crippled. You can't move. You had a child out of wedlock. You've been married five times. You lost your job six times, and you got fired on a Saturday, which was your day off. <clears throat> Everything that we hold on to, y'all stop laughing at me. Everything that we hold on to, he comes and magnifies. But the king, 
the king is not worried about your problems. The king is not worried about what Satan says. The king is not worried about what your enemy says. As a matter of fact, the king's not even worried about what you say. It's all about what the king has to say. And once it finally lines up in your spirit, then you'll start to say it. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit reminds us of Jesus. The Holy Spirit brings back to our remembrance all that what Jesus can do. So once we start saying God is good, the Holy Spirit said, yeah, ain't he good? Remember when he did this? And we say, God is a healer. Yeah, he's a healer. Remember how he healed you here? Yeah, God is a provider. Yeah, remember when he made a way out of no way that you thought it would happen? He did it for you, and then he did it again. And then when you start talking and rehearsing it, the Holy Spirit now magnifies what you've been magnifying. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, and now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Point number three, we got to go. Y'all, oh, y'all, oh, y'all taking too long. Y'all got to stop today. Third point, the invitation will prosper you right where you are. Verses 7 through 11, this uh, 2 Samuel 9, verses 7 through 11. It reads, don't be afraid. This is David the king talking. David said to him, For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Now remember when he was originally looking for him, he said, who's in Saul's house? <laughs> who's from that old messy, wretched, crooked house that I can show God's kindness to? But once he finally gets him in his presence, he says, don't be afraid. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, the one who kept bringing up all of Mephibosheth's faults, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given, you ma given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Now look at it. The king said that all will be restored from Saul's possessions and given to Mephibosheth. And everyone in his house will be blessed. Right? So when you answer the invitation to come in, when you answer the, 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 the invitation to come out of from where you are and over to where the king is, the blessings don't just fall on you but on the rest of your household. But look, but uh, we can drive that point home, but I just thought of something, but look what the king did. Look what the king just did. The king made the one who kept bringing up all of Mephibosheth's faults, made him his servant. Woo! 
So any and everything that comes to bring you down, God says, I'm going to make it a footstool for you. <laughs> he said, you're going to step on it and keep rising higher. Everything that's tried to bring you down, all you got to do is just say yes to me and you're going to walk on it. Now, he didn't say stomp on it, but you are going to stand on it and you're going to go a little bit higher because when the enemy comes in like a flood, God said, I'm going to lift up. I don't know, please, please. Um, hey, Jules, Jules, I, I can't do that, man. I can't do that. Thank, thank, thank you. you bad, man. Thank you. I'll probably trip and fall. Don't do that to me. Thank you. Right? But the king says specifically to Mephibosheth that he will have a seat at the king's table forever and sit like one of the king's sons. Shoo. We got to go. Look at that. Look at that. He says, he says, you're going to have all the possessions restored. You're going to have provision to get around. You're going to have provision for your family to be blessed. You're going to have a seat at my table so you'll have position. But then he says that you're not just going to sit in the seat of a position, but you're going to sit as a son. Get, get the picture, get the picture. He, the king said, I'm going to give you a position, but then I'm going to give you a purpose. You're going to sit as my son, as a father. I've helped a lot of kids in the community. I've helped different ones get to different places in life. But my sons, they may see and reap the benefit of some of the actions that I've done, but when I die, they gonna get an inheritance. <laughs> Other kids may have reaped from my actions, but they gonna reap from my living. The king told Mephibosheth that you will now be one of my heirs. You're going to get an inheritance. You're going to get something at the end. The Bible tells us, hold on, hey, Bobby, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going, going to skip a little bit. Matthew, let's read that. Ephesians 2, 4, and 6. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. That's the position. But here's the inheritance. It's on Romans 8, 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. And heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. It comes when you say yes to this invitation. It comes with an inheritance. 
it comes with something at the end. Now, hold on, wait a second. Let me just go back to that story about my daughter. So at this same party, I left Julia there. She's playing, having a good time, her and a bunch of kids. So when I go back to get her, I tell her, I tell her mom, okay, you know, time for her to go. Because I think I did that twice before, and the mom was like, please let her stay a little longer. So by this time, I'm ready for her to go. And, and when I pick her up, the little girl um, gives Julia a big hug, and she goes to give Julia a parting gift. Now, when you go to a good party, when you go to a good party, you get a goodie bag. When you go to a good party, you get a, a, go a goodie bag. Now, there were a bunch of goodie bags, all looked the same for all of the party goers. So the little girl went and grabbed the goodie bag and said, here, Julia, thank you for coming. The mother saw what was going on and said, no, take that back. That's not for her. The goodie bag we have for Julia is the one with her name on it. <laughs> she told them, because Julia's like a sister to you. <laughs> because Julia is a believer just like you are, we got another bag specially made for Julia. When you suffer with Christ, when you line up with the Prince of Peace, when you line up with the King of Kings, when you line up with the Lord of Lords, God has a goodie bag with your name on it and with some blessings that's specifically designed just for what you need. And when you go home and open your goodie bag, you'll see some extra love in there. You'll see some extra power in there. You'll see a better anointing in there. You'll see some healing in there. You'll see more word in there. You'll see stronger faith in there. You'll see everything that you need plus more because the king has designed a bag just for you. Give God a praise. This invitation it's for everybody it doesn't matter who you are second Peter 3 and 9 says the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness but is long-suffering toward us not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance even if we have to suffer for a little while there's gonna be some glory after your suffering there's gonna be some glory after this. Tell somebody there's gonna be some glory, gonna be some glory. There's some extra blessings specifically designed for what you're going through because you've accepted the invitation. And if there's turmoil in your life, you can see the invitation at John 14 and 27. 
that says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If you feel like the situation is too much for you, you can see the invitation at Psalm 61 and 2. It says, from the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. When you're feeling weak in your faith, you can see the invitation in Isaiah 40 and 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you're afflicted in your body, see the invitation in John 5 and 8 that says Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And if you're deep in sin, you can see the invitation in Isaiah 43 and 25 that says, I even I am he who blots out your transgressions and for my own sake, I will not remember your sins. Now the way to RSVP for this invitation, the way you RSVP for this invitation is you have to begin to walk by faith. But look at it now, look at it, look at it. Everybody's telling you you're lame in your feet, but God is telling you to walk by faith. Everyone is telling you about your limitations, and God says, don't think about that. Just come to me and say that I am. Right? It says that we can't please God, but first by coming to him and saying that he is. Right? So when you are deep in whatever it is you got going on in your life, when everything that every adversarial situation is trying to stop you from moving forward, you just have to say, yeah, this may be an obstacle for me, but God said that he'll supply everything that I need. Remember, your faith is not predicated on how you feel. Your faith is simply believing what God said simply because he said it so that it will be so. Right? Right? And your faith has to now take on some feet. If your feet ain't moving, your faith ain't working. Right? So if you want your faith to work, you got to operate in obedience. So you got to turn away from some things in faith. You got to turn away from some people in faith. You got to turn off some things in faith. You got to pick up some things in faith. You got to stop watching some things in faith. You got to have to start watching some things in faith. You got to stop talking to some people in faith. You got to get rid of some relationships in faith. You got to stop watching some of these things on TV in faith. You got to turn off social media in faith and then begin to open your Bible and read your word that tells you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God because we walk by faith and not by sight. Give God a praise. Come on and praise God. Come on and praise God. Because the invitation has been extended. Come out of what you're going through. Come out of that life of sin. Come out of that life that doesn't glorify God. Come out of that life of doubt. Come out of that life of belittling yourself. Come out of that life of holding on to what someone else did to you. Yeah, they did it, but God can deliver you from it. There's that but again. Yeah, they may have molested you, but God can free you from the molestation. 
Yeah, they may have touched you, but Jesus says, I want to touch you and make you new. And for those, and for those that you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your first invitation you need to say yes to is yes to salvation. Giving up, acknowledging that your life is sinful, that you are a sinner, but Jesus can make you a saint. Acknowledging that what you're doing is against God, but God can make you one of his children. So the first invitation that you need to receive is the invitation of salvation. And we're inviting you now, here in this building and online, that if you do not know Jesus Christ and the pardon of your sins, or if you're a little iffy that if Jesus was to crack the sky right now and you weren't sure that you would go back with him, I invite you to lift your hands right now. Do it in here in this room. If you haven't received God as your Lord and Savior, if you have not confessed with your mouth and believed with your heart that God has raised him from the dead, if you have not called on the name of the Lord so that you can be saved, we invite you to lift your hands and pray this prayer with us right now. As a matter of fact, let's all lift our hands. So even for those of you on social media, and it's a simple prayer, just say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner, but I believe by faith that because of your word that I can be saved. So I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior, not by how I feel, but because your word says that if I believe in you, that I will be saved. Father, right now we pray in the name of Jesus for every heart that lifted hands, but most of all, they lifted their hearts to you. God, if they meant it, Lord, I pray that you'll do it because we know that you are not a man that you shall lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. But God, you said that you want everybody to come into the knowledge of you. So Father, I pray that you'll visit them right where they are. God, that you'll go into their living room, that you'll go into their kitchen, you'll go into their bedroom, you'll go into their cars, Lord God. Father, and arrest them in the Holy Spirit, but make them new creatures. God, I pray that even as their lives begin to change, Father, that you'll change their heart, that you'll change their soul, that, Lord, that they'll begin to walk in the path of righteousness because of your Holy Spirit. And, Father, I ask that you'll keep them covered even now that when the enemy comes to try and remind them of what they were, they'll say, yes, I was, but now. I was a sinner, but now I'm saved. I was a wretch, but now I'm a saint, all because of the cleansing and atoning blood of Jesus Christ. So Father, we thank you and praise you right now. In the name of Jesus, put your hands together. And if you prayed that prayer, there should be a, a sign right underneath me in TV land that says, I prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer, just type the words in exactly how you see them. 
and someone from our ministry team will reach out to you and pray with you. And if you need prayer for strength, if you need prayer for someone to touch and agree with you or for healing for a loved one or just encouragement, you can call our prayer line that's open right now. You can call that number right now and someone will answer the phone and pray with you to help strengthen you during these times because we as saints, we do get weary. We do get tired, right? But that's where iron sharpens iron. You pray for me, I pray for you. You lift me up and I'll lift you up. So if you need prayer, call that number right now. And if you're in the sanctuary, if you need prayer, if you need prayer, we invite you to come to the altar. But if not, I thank you for listening to me. 